Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Today's text is going to be from Leviticus chapter 25. We're actually going to really kind of look at the whole chapter, but we're going to read verses 8 to 12 to uh, kind of lay in what we're going to be talking about as we're talking about the subject of Jubilee today. So Leviticus chapter 25, we're going to uh, begin at verse 8. The text is there in the little booklet you've received. It's also up on all the screens, and you can follow along in your Bibles. Leviticus chapter 25, beginning at verse 8. Hear the words of our covenant God. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines, for it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. Uh, this is actually the 50th anniversary of Bay Ridge Christian Church. We've had different names during that time. I think for a while we didn't even have a name. But it was actually back in 1968 that uh, our congregation first came together. And so today we're going to, at the picnic, we're just going to do a little bit of celebrating about that. Uh, not going to make a huge deal of it, but it is our 50th anniversary as a church. And if you've been around very long, you know that very often we call the 50th anniversary the Jubilee. That's, that's the Jubilee anniversary. And that comes out of this biblical text. But Jubilee's not a word that we're used to using. I remember before I was a Christian, there used to be a group that would sing on TV called the Jubilee Singers. And number one, I didn't like their type of music. And number two, I had no idea what Jubilee was and why they called themselves that. Because it's just not a word that we would normally use. So what is Jubilee? Why is it important? And what relationship does it have to us as followers of Jesus. That's what we want to dive in and talk about today. So let's begin by looking at just the year of Jubilee itself. Now, as you may have noticed, the first thing that's interesting is Jubilee is actually the culmination of the Sabbath cycle. Some people mistakenly believe Sabbath is only about one day a week where the uh, people of God were commanded to rest and to worship, but it's actually a whole cycle of events. Notice here in verses 8 and 9, what we're told is, count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years, then have the trumpet sounded everywhere. So what happened is, in Israel, the, the Sabbath was every seventh day you, you celebrated a Sabbath. And during that Sabbath, you were commanded to take off and rest and do certain things. But there were also new moon celebrations that occurred once a month 
and regular festivals, which were also Sabbath celebrations and festivals. And then every seventh year was actually a Sabbath year where the Sabbath was extended for an entire year. You were to rest, you were to let the land rest, you were to take the whole time off. And then after seven cycles of those Sabbath years, every seven years, you had the year of Jubilee. And so the year of Jubilee is not something that just stands out on its own. It is actually the culmination of Sabbath. And Sabbath was God's gift first to humanity and then to his people Israel to give them rest from labor and to allow time for them to remember their redemption. If you go back and you look in Exodus chapter 20, Sabbath is linked with creation and the fact that God is our creator. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when the uh, God is speaking through Moses to, to re-give the law, the basis there is actually that you were redeemed out of Egypt as slaves. And so there are these two things. We're to remember our Creator, but we're also to remember our Redeemer. That's what Sabbath was, and it was a gift from God to His people. Sabbath was rest for everyone and everything. When one rested on Sabbath, I didn't rest but make all of my servants work hard so that I could rest. I was to rest, and the, the people, the, the servants in my household were to rest. And in fact, even foreigners who lived into the land were to rest. And in fact, all of the animals were to rest. And the land itself was to rest so that even during the seventh year, no agriculture was to be done. The lamb was allowed to lie fallow, to rest, to recover. And at the end of all of these cycles of this, where you're doing it every seven days, and then during the month, and then every seven years, and then after seven cycles of all of this, you come to the year of Jubilee, which is the culmination. Seven being obviously the number of fullness. And God is saying, and this is the great culmination where everything is restored as it ought to be. Now here's the interesting thing. That kind of sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Rest. No labor required. Take it easy, everybody. But you know, here's the problem with that. We've always looked at Sabbath not as a gift, but as a burden. Because Sabbath requires faith. It requires faith. And that's actually the same thing is true in Jubilee. Because if you notice in verses 20 to 22, which is a little further in the chapter, God says this, you may ask, What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? Well, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. Now, let's be honest. This is a pretty reasonable question. If I told you every seven years you can't do anything to provide for yourself at all, don't, don't wax super spiritual. What we'd say is, well, in our parlance, how are the bills going to get paid? And theirs, it wasn't bills getting paid. It was, how am I going to eat? I can't skip a whole year of eating. And what God tells them is, look, I understand those questions, but you need to trust me. And in Jubilee, the Sabbath is even being extended. And God says, I'm going to have to provide enough for three years for you, but I promise you, If you will exercise faith to receive the blessing, I will bless you and take care of you. 
And so Jubilee required the people to exercise faith in order to receive the blessing. And here's a key for us. It's always that way with God. Always everything is received by faith. And so when God offers a blessing, there has to be faith. And so actually in the chapter, I just read verses 20 to 22, but the two verses before that, God promises them that if you will trust and obey, you will be blessed. In verses 18 and 19, he says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. So notice what God says. If you out of faith will trust me and if you will obey me, then what's going to happen is you're going to dwell safely in your land no matter what's going on outside. And if you will trust and obey me, I am telling you the land will be abundant and you will have everything that you need. But here's the trick. Go through the Old Testament. Scholars even question if Israel ever even celebrated one of the Sabbaths. Much less, there's virtually no evidence they ever did the year of Jubilee. In fact, one time that it appears they were vowing that they were suddenly going to do Jubilee in Jeremiah 34, they all backed out at the end and said, How, how's this going to work if we let all of our servants go free and all the things we're supposed to do? This isn't going to work for us. And they backed out and they broke their covenant vow with God. It's a very sad chapter. And Israel didn't seem to do this because they never really trusted God enough to walk in faith. And so as the culmination of Sabbath, Jubilee requires us to curb our desires and our ceaseless striving for wealth and power and have faith that God will provide all we need. Because see, here's the problem with Sabbath. The reason we don't like Sabbath is, if I'm going to stop, I have to admit the whole universe does not revolve because I'm keeping it going. In other words, I have to admit I'm not God. Everything really depends on someone else. And how good are we human beings at doing that? We're not. We, we don't trust. We, we don't really believe when push comes to shove that God will fulfill his word. And so rather than being received as gift, Israel pushed back against it and never really responded to it. Here's the amazing thing. When we ask ourselves, why is God doing this? The reason for Jubilee is freedom. What Jubilee is about is total freedom for the people of God. Now, why do I say that? Notice here in the text that the central idea of what's going on here is actually freedom. We're told in verse 10, consecrate the 50th year, Jubilee, and proclaim what? Liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. So the proclamation of jubilee wasn't even rest. It was liberty. It was freedom is what that, you know, another way to translate that word. Now, what's interesting is jubilee, as we have it as a word, the reason it's a weird word for us is it's just a transliteration of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word here is jubilee. We just wrote it in English letters and said, we're not even going to try and translate that. We'll just call it what the Hebrew word was. And the Hebrew word, yavel, actually means ram's horn. 
That's all the word means is it's the same word as ram's horn because on that day you were to take out the ram's horn, the priest was to blow the ram's horn, and it was jubilee is what it was called in Hebrew because they're blowing on the ram's horn. But here's the interesting thing. When they translated the Old Testament into Greek, they didn't just transliterate jubilee. They also did not use the Greek word for ram's horn. The Greek word they used was the word for liberty, freedom. So the year of Jubilee in the Greek Old Testament was actually called the year of freedom. And I'm going to come back and explain that in a minute. But that's showing when they translate, they said, yeah, it is the year where they blow the ram's horn. But the reality is what it's about, the ram's horn's being blown because it's proclaiming liberty. It's proclaiming freedom. And so when we're going to translate this, that's the word we're going to use. It's not ram's horn. We're going to translate it as liberty. It is freedom for us. I kind of wish we had done that in English instead of calling it the year of jubilee if we called it the year of freedom. How about if every 50th anniversary was freedom? Let freedom ring. But that's what's actually going on here in it. Now, why is it freedom? There's, there are actually three freedoms that are pronounced in Jubilee. Number one, and most importantly, is the freedom of sins forgiven. Notice in verses 9 and 10 that we're told, have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land, consecrate the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. So notice the proclamation is made on what day? The day of atonement. There's a reason. It wasn't done on Rosh Hashanah. It wasn't done some other thing. It was done on the Day of Atonement when they did this because the Day of Atonement is the day par excellence that pronounces the freedom of the forgiveness of sins. The high priest is going to go into the Holy of Holies. The blood of the Lamb is going to be slain. Sins are pronounced forgiven. And in the Jubilee year, that begins your liberty and so first off it's because it's the day of atonement god is letting us know here's the first and most important freedom i can pronounce over you is freedom from your sins your sins are forgiven you are free from that penalty because of what i have done but it's not only that it's on the day of atonement three times throughout the jubilee text all of leviticus 25 is about the jubilee Three times, God reminds them, the reason we're doing this is because I redeemed you out of Egypt. I brought you out of Egypt. Notice in verses 38, 42, and 55, so sprinkled throughout, God says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Notice, I brought you out of Egypt. Remember, you were there. You were slaves. You were, you were under that. And the Passover lamb, the blood was slain. It was put on the doorpost of your house. The angel of death passed over, and I redeemed you. I brought you out as my people. That's why you do Jubilee. Verse 42, because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. We're going to see in a minute about this freedom for slaves. God says you can't be slaves because I redeemed you. You're my people. You can't, you can't belong to someone else. And then in verse 55, For the Israelites belong to me as servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. That's what he tells them. So the basis for all of this, he says, is, Look, you were in Egypt. You were, you were being ground down as slaves, and I redeemed you. 
I brought you out. And so on the Day of Atonement, the day of forgiveness of sins, you're pronouncing freedom from sins, and you're pronouncing freedom because I brought you out of Egypt. You're my people. The third reason that we know that forgiveness is the basic freedom here is, again, what I mentioned. You can see when when the ancient Jews actually translated the Bible into Greek, they didn't name it Jubilee. They named it uh, by this Greek word, aphasis, which meant freedom, but most often in the New Testament, it's actually translated forgiveness. Because when you are forgiven of your sins, you're free of what your sin is due. And so they translated it this way, and it's used all over the New Testament. I, we won't turn there, but for example, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he took a cup and he poured out in the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is given for the, right, aphasis, the jubilee of your sins. You're free. In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, John came preaching and proclaiming an aphasis, a freedom from your sins. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus said, you all are going to go forth and you are going to proclaim from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth the freedom, the forgiveness of sins. Same word. Same word that they translated. Uh, you can look in Colossians 1.14 where Paul uses The word's used all over the New Testament and usually if you look up at an English translation, it's actually translated forgiveness. But it's the word for, that originally meant liberty, freedom, because forgiveness means you're free from the results of your sin. And so the primary freedom in Jubilee is the forgiveness of our sins and our restoration to God. Because friends, if you don't have that freedom, no other freedom means anything. Political freedom is of extremely limited value if you are still under the weight of your sin. Political liberty means very little if you are still a bondage to Satan, to sin, and to the world. And so the first, foremost freedom of Jubilee is the freedom of the gospel. It's the freedom of liberty from sin. The freedom of being forgiven and cleansed. But then to enact this and to show it out, God shows two further freedoms that are both a physical representation, a picture of what happens when we are forgiven and freed from our sins. The first is the freedom of sins liberated. So firstly, we have freedom of sins forgiven. Now secondly, we have freedom of sins liberated, which gives us a picture of what is happening here. So notice in verses 39 to 42, is one of the places these stipulations run throughout the chapter. But in verses 39 to 42, God says this, If one of your countrymen becomes poor among you and sells himself to you, do not make him work as a slave. Now this sounds odd to us, right? Because, you know, we've got chapter 11 laws and all this kind of stuff. But back in the ancient world, if you got yourself into debt and you got yourself into trouble and you sell everything else off, there's only two options. Debtor's prison, which you usually never, ever, ever got out of, or you sell yourself as a slave or basically what we would call an indentured servant. When people came to America, very often they couldn't afford the passage, so what they would do is they'd say, I'll sell myself as an indentured servant, and for seven years I will serve you, and you'll pay for my passage. It's the same kind of thing going on here, and that's what God tells them. But notice what he says. Look, when, when somebody does this, you can't make him work as a slave. Verse 40, 
He is to be treated as a hired worker or a temporary resident among you. He is to work for you until when? The year of Jubilee. Then he and his children are to be released. And he will go back to his own clan and to the property of his forefathers. And that year you're to tell the prisoner, the slave, they are released. You pronounce that they are free. Because the Israelites are my servant, whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. So, if an Israelite has gotten into this bind, there's nothing left, and they say, I'm going to have to sell my very self to you. God says, if that's what happens and you do that, then know this, I declare in the 50th year, it doesn't matter if it happened in the 49th year or if it happened in the first year, in the 50th year, all is forgiven The slaves are set free, and they are to go out and return to where they do. And the basis for this, notice in verse 42, is you can't own an Israelite because I own them. They are my servants, so they can't be someone else's servants. They are mine because I redeemed them and brought them out of Egypt. And in fact, in verse 43, I don't have it up here on the screen, but God says, you need to do this and obey me because you fear me. The fear of God is the basis for how we act and treat others. And what God is saying is, I'm not giving you a suggestion that I think it might be a good idea to set these people free in the 50th year. It's a command. I am Yahweh. I own all of you. And if you fear me, you need to, be, to obey me. Now, the interesting thing is, The only time, again, we actually see this happening, if you go and look in Jeremiah 34, right before Israel is out of the land. They've shattered the covenant. And they are remaking covenant. They split animals in half and do the covenant ceremony, and they walk between them, and they vow, we're going to keep Jubilee. All the servants are going to go free. And then when it comes time, the wealthy people start looking and saying, but if I do that, Who's going to make me my latte in the morning? Who's going to take care of all this stuff for me? And they all back out. And Yahweh, in one of the scariest passages in Scripture, says, you remember those animals you cut in half? And you spread the pieces apart? And you walked between them and you made a covenant? Well, guess what? That covenant vow is you promised to keep your word. And you vowed that if you didn't keep your word, may you be like those animals. I remember that promise, even if you don't. And God told them, you're all going to be sent into exile. You did not listen. As those who are redeemed by God, they are not to be enslaved by others. They're to live as free children of God. And so in Jubilee, when the horn sounds, it's not only that your sins are forgiven. It is also that if you're a slave, you are free. You are out of your bondage. And if you are somebody who has them as there is your servant, you are to let them go. Period. And if you don't, Yahweh is watching. Now that leads to the third uh, area of freedom. There's not only freedom of forgiveness of sins and then freedom from slavery, but there's also the freedom of inheritance restored. You can see this in verses 13 and 23. We read, 
I am sorry about the rain here. I will try and, and shout over it. Uh, in this year of Jubilee, everyone is to return to his own property. Then down in verse 23, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. So here's what happened. If you go back to Israel, when they came into the promised land, God broke the land down and said, this section belongs to this tribe, this section belongs to that tribe, and he broke it down. And then it was even broken down by clans. And so what the Herzog family got as their land was always to be in the Herzog family. But then what happens is as you go down through time, again, sometimes people get themselves in trouble. They're, they're not handling their finances well. They get trouble. And so they have to basically sell the land off. But God says, you're not really selling it off because it's not yours in the first place. It's mine. You're only stewards. You're only managers. And so what you can do is you read through the chapter. He says, you're going to count off how many years until the year of Jubilee because basically what they're doing is they're leasing the crops that are produced by that land and how many years they get. Because in the year of Jubilee, everybody goes back home. Everybody goes back to the land that God gave them. Now, why this is being done, think about this. How long can generational poverty last? Only one generation. Because no matter how foolish my dad was, 50th year is Jubilee, and I'm back on my property, and everything restarts. And no matter how wise my father was, and he's built up, and he bought the Herzog property, and the Younger property, and the McClure property, my dad's got all this stuff. In the 50th year, guess what happens? The Herzogs, Youngers, and McClures come back and take their property back over. And I go back to my property and we start again. It was meant to say there's a limit on how much generational debt can enslave you and how much you can have even the blessing of what your parents did. There is a limit. Uh, I'd encourage you to think, and it's one of the questions for this week, is that the way we set things up today? It is not. We, we are increasingly, we, we could do a whole series on this, we are increasingly setting things up that make it harder and harder and harder for people to climb out of poverty and to let people who are even foolish continue on in the blessings of what was done 150 years ago or something. God's word here says no. There's a limit. 50 years, there's a reset. Everybody goes back home, and we start this whole thing again. And that's exactly what it was intended to do. Can you also see why this would require faith? And can you see why a lot of Israelites were like, I don't want to do that. See, I, I've got the Herzog, Younger, and McClure properties, and I don't want to give it back. I want to keep it because I like the way I'm living. And by the way, I got the Jackson family as my slaves, and I'm not setting them free either. They're mine. Get, be honest. Can you see why people would do that? See, that's exactly what they want to do. But God says, you may not behave this way. You cannot do it. So, Imagine on that day, you're there. You're aware of your own sin. Your parents had maybe been foolish. You've been sold into slavery. You have no land, no inheritance, no right. And God says, but here's what's going to happen. On the Day of Atonement, the priest is going to stand up, and he is going to blast that horn. And when he does, sins are forgiven. 
debts are wiped away, inheritance is restored, you walk out a free man, a free woman, you take your children with you, you go back home, and everything is restored. Man, that would be hallelujah celebration day. And it's God's gift. He says, and all you got to do is just receive it by faith. Just trust I'll do. I promise if you do this, I'll spread blessing as far as you can imagine. Sadly, they didn't want to do that. But here's the good news. Who is our Jubilee? It's Jesus Christ. He is proclaimed as the Jubilee. Now, why I say this is we're going to go to the very first message Jesus ever gave. He goes to a synagogue as a rabbi. And what they would do is you would have a reading from the law, and these were all pre-set up. Here's the reading from the law today, and they would do it. And then if there was a guest rabbi, he would do a reading from the prophets that would illuminate what had just been read from Torah. And so Jesus gets the scroll, and it's opened up, and Jesus, here's the, the story of what goes on. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, Jesus unrolls this. They're singing psalms. And he unrolls it, and he comes to these words. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this text in Isaiah is about Jubilee. Notice here that it's all about freedom. It's about liberty. It's about restoration. The entire text is about that. But we know that not just because of that, scholars all agree this is about Jubilee. And one of the reasons is the actual term the Hebrew word that is used when it says you announce liberty in the land is only used in just a few places in the entire Old Testament. It's used in Leviticus 25. It's used in Jeremiah 34, where I mentioned a couple of minutes ago where they refused to do Jubilee, and it's used in Isaiah 61. That's it. It's used nowhere else. Because the year of God's favor is the year of Jubilee. And Jesus is here and it's all been laid out, and they hand him the scroll, and he unrolls it, and he says, this is my text. This is that on which I speak. And notice, remember that the name for Jubilee, a face is that freedom, is used two different times in this passage. It's used where it says that I proclaim freedom and the release for the prisoners. This is the same Greek word behind it, and it's the word Jubilee. It's the, it's the Greek translation that they used for Jubilee. So this is the year of God's favor is what Jesus says. And then notice what he says about it. Because what are they all expecting Jesus would say? If you were sitting there, what would you be expecting a rabbi to say about this text about Jubilee? One day this is going to happen. One day that anointed one is going to come because there was a lot of expectation about it and it's going to happen. Here's what Jesus says. He rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant and he sits down because they did the opposite. Y'all would all be standing and I would be sitting. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today 
this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You're here. What God commanded Moses to do and was never done is fulfilled. What the prophets looked and longed for, what Isaiah told you was going to happen, is here and it is fulfilled. It had been commanded but never fulfilled. It had been longed for but never accomplished. Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would be anointed with the Holy Spirit and he would bring jubilee. And Jesus says, all of that is now fulfilled. Not going to be later. Now fulfilled. I am Jubilee. And so what we hear and we understand today is Jesus is our Jubilee. Friends, in Jesus Christ, you are set free from sin. You are released from slavery. You are restored to God and all the inheritance that he has to give for you. And the only thing is you receive it by faith. Just like the year of Jubilee. That is who he is. I'm going to read you some lyrics out of a song. It's by a guy named Michael Card. Many of you may have heard some songs by him. He's actually got excellent theology in his songs. And he did an entire album that was about Torah. It went through. And in this album on Torah, he had a song called Jubilee. So hear now these words. The Lord provided for a time for the slaves to be set free. For the debts to all be canceled, so his chosen ones could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness. He longed to see their liberty. And his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jesus is the Jubilee. Debts forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee. At the Lord's appointed time, his deep desire became a man, the heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of jubilee. To be so completely guilty and given over to despair, to look into your judge's face and see a Savior there. Friends, that is truth. And that's what you have. You live in perpetual jubilee. You don't have to wait 50 years. You don't have to go through all kinds of ceremonies. It is God's gift to everyone who is in Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. You live in perpetual day of atonement. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are a slave to no one. You are God's freed man and woman. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you are an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Whatever promise God has ever made to anyone is yours in Jesus Christ. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus, our jubilee. And that is good news for us. Did you know Jesus... He, he actually stopped. It's interesting. He stopped in the middle of the Isaiah passage because the next phrase is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. And Jesus stopped. Now, somebody might have been, oh, hey, I know that it goes well. But see, Jesus is saying, because I've come to proclaim jubilee. I've come to proclaim freedom. I've come to, set, to, to give you the blessings 
of God. Day of vengeance is another day. I am here to give you full freedom. And that's what's offered to you and me in Jesus Christ. So how do we apply this? It's really very simple. Receive Jubilee blessings. One of the saddest things to me is that Israel didn't view God's gift as a gift. It was somehow a burden. And they passed it by. And they messed it up. Jesus has come and he has brought Jubilee. And if you are here... I urge you, receive him by faith and receive full freedom. That is what he offers to you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, hear me. You are free. You are free from sin. You are free from enslavement. You are free to inherit everything God has for you. Do not let the enemy rob you of your jubilee blessing of freedom. But see, here's one of the problems. If, if you study history, when liberty came for some of the slaves in the South, some of them had been so enslaved for so long, they didn't even get up and leave. Because they didn't understand what freedom was. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. And so even though freedom had come, even though blood had been spilt, to buy freedom, they continued living exactly as they had before. Friends, the same thing can happen to you and me. You are free. But so often, we continue to sit and dwell and live as slaves rather than receiving what God has done for us. I urge you, do not wallow in guilt over past sin. The trumpet is sounded. The day of atonement is fulfilled. You are free. Jesus is your forgiveness of sins. Do not live as a slave to sin. You do not have to let sin define who you are. You do not have to let sin shackle you. It does not, well, my mother was this way and so and so did this. You do not have to live that way as a believer. You are free from all of that. And do not miss your inheritance. And, and your inheritance is so rich and so lasting and goes beyond anything that this world can offer. And we miss it because we would just, we, we focus our attention on other things. Don't miss what God has given you. Second thing, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table. And we should all know this. Why are we blessed? Blessed to what? Be a blessing. If you receive Jubilee blessing, what are we expected to do with it? Turn around and give Jubilee blessing. That's exactly what we're commanded to do. Jubilee was not only freedom for the slaves, it was freedom for those who had owned them to trust Yahweh, to believe that God would provide for them. We cannot receive these blessings and then not pass them on to others. And that is so often what we want to do. Friends, we are blessed to be a blessing. If you have received forgiveness and grace, what do you do? You turn and you extend it to others. Remember Jesus is where he told the parables. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant who's forgiven millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he turns around and a guy owes him like a buck. And what does he do? I'll throw you in jail. Have, have you really received forgiveness then? Do you understand what grace is if you can't turn and extend it to someone else? 
How many of us in here will be sinned against by another human being this week? Every last one of us. And you know what we have the opportunity to do? I can say, I live in Jubilee. And so I, am, I, I release you from what you just did to me. Or I can start slapping shackles on myself and say, oh, no, I'm not, giving, I'm not letting this go. And who do I enslave when I do that? If I don't forgive somebody else, it's not affecting them. They're marching right on with their day. Meanwhile, the longer I sit there, the more shackles I put on myself. When you've received Jubilee, pass it on. Extend it to others. Extend freedom and grace and forgiveness. Labor to see others set free in body and soul. The gift of Sabbath was not just so a few people got to rest and everybody else worked. It was that you let everybody rest. God even extended it to animals. He even extended it to the land. He wants freedom and liberty. We are to spend ourselves and extend ourselves so that others can be free. You can read, actually, in Isaiah 58 about fasting that's related to this, and God said, that's what I want you to do. I want you to fast to see others set free. You receive this blessing, pass it on. And we are called, notice when Jesus took it, the first thing that Isaiah said is, you're anointed with the Spirit to do what? To proclaim good news. Because, friends, Jubilee is good news. We are in a world where everybody is back and forth. I I get so sick of reading the news that this person said something incredibly stupid on Twitter, so now we get 10 other people trying to outdo how stupid they could be on Twitter going back to them. That's just foolishness. And what really grieves me is when I see Christians jumping in and being involved, that we should not be involved in that kind of mess. Be jubilee people. Spread grace, forgiveness. What this world needs, other than shutting Twitter down, what this world needs is good news, is gospel, is freedom. And we have the message. We should proclaim it far and wide. And the good news is, in Jesus, you are anointed with the same Holy Spirit. When our term, we, we call ourselves Christians. What does Christian mean? Little Christ. And what does Christ mean? Anointed. You, you, you've got anointing because you're in Jesus. Not because you went through and you passed the theology test or you read this or you figured out. If you're in Jesus, you're anointed with the Spirit. And why are we anointed with the Spirit? to preach good news, to tell people Jubilee has come. What you're looking for, what you're angry about, and you're back and forth bickering, I can tell you there's freedom. There is freedom, and it is found in Jesus Christ. So let's give ourselves over to that task. Now what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's table, and this is our table of Jubilee. This is the table of where we see freedom enacted for you and for me. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I invite you to this table of freedom. Receive, celebrate, because year of Jubilee is about a whole lot more than that, that this church started 50 years ago. That's nice. I'm, I'm glad. I'm grateful we've been together for 50 years, and that's not to be taken for granted. This gospel 
has been marching for thousands of years. And it is freedom in every language, to every tribe, to every class of human being. This is freedom. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to this table. If you're not, I invite you, come experience Jubilee. Come find freedom that is offered to you in Jesus Christ. For friends, what I receive from Jesus, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness, the jubilee of your sins. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, this morning we are so grateful for all you have done for us. Lord, we are grateful that in you we are free. And so we ask that by your Holy Spirit, because Lord, you have said that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Come by your Holy Spirit and minister to us at this table, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. They're going to come forward and take these elements and distribute them. We also have, I believe, yes, we have, um, we, we have uh, gluten-free here that you can grab. In either event, when you get the elements, hold on to them. Uh, Dave is actually going to play that Michael Card song I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. I want you to please just listen to the lyrics because what we are celebrating this morning is Jubilee has come in Jesus Christ. And then we'll take together. Gracious Father, your desire is liberty for your people. Freedom from sin and oppression, from bondage and despair, and restoration of our inheritance as your children. And in the fullness of time, Jesus came forth, a lamb to atone for our sin, a servant to free us from slavery. He became poor that our debts might be canceled, and he did not grasp his privilege in order that we might have our inheritance restored. In taking this bread, we proclaim that Jesus is our jubilee. In him, we are forgiven, we are free, we are restored. So by your Spirit, we give you thanks for your great gift to us in Jesus Christ. Take and eat, my friends. Father, long ago the priest would blow the ram's horn, declaring that atonement was made and the year of Jubilee had come. For forgiveness, freedom, and inheritance are provided only through the blood of a lamb. And today we take this cup in faith, sounding the trumpet of the gospel that Christ our Lamb has come, and that by his, his death he has brought us jubilee, forgiveness for our many sins, freedom from Satan and the forces of hell, and full restoration 
to all the inheritance we have as your children. In taking this cup, we proclaim that all we have is given to us through the all-sufficient blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink. Father, today we embrace your jubilee gift. Anoint us with your Holy Spirit that we might preach good news to the poor and proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for those who are blind, that we might release those who are oppressed and declare the year of your jubilee favor. As those who have received these great blessings, we go forth in the power of your Spirit to spread the blessing far and wide. To the glory of the Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say, Amen. So be it. Let's stand together and receive a blessing, and then we will be breaking down for our celebration. Receive God's jubilee blessing of forgiveness and freedom and restoration, and go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to extend that to all those you meet. In Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.